Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Standing, let's give our attention unto our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you. There's nothing that we could do apart from you. There's nothing that we could know apart from that which you revealed to us. And this morning, Father, we are coming simply to express to you, yes, how much we love you. And to acknowledge, even as the psalmist David said, if we had 10,000 tongues, they wouldn't be enough to truly express our gratitude and our thanks for who you are. And Father, I thank you for whatever is happening in someone's life right now, whether good or bad, God, that you will be glorified. And the person who feels like they're down and out, that you will bring them up and out. And the person, Father God, who is at a place where they're just at a great peace, will you keep them at that place of peace, God? That peace that passes all our, our hearts and, and minds understanding. And God, we thank you for ears to hear now what the Spirit of God wants to say to us. And Father, we thank you. The scripture, in, according to Revelation, says the Spirit and the bride is saying, Come. Come, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we do need you. We need you in our homes. We need you in our school. God, we need you in our government. God, we need you in every facet and every institution of our society. We are lost without you. So, Father, I thank you that we don't have to stay lost because Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And, Father, may we all enjoy the life of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray, and all who agree would say amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. Greet your neighbor on your way down. God bless you. God bless you. Good morning to everyone. I think it's still morning. And um, pray that you have been having a, a blessed week. And if you haven't, I believe that God's about to turn some things around for you. Amen. Uh, he's a God of more than enough and uh, certainly um, challenging times. Um, personally, on a personal note, I, I feel like I've preached more funerals in this year than I've ever thought I would be preaching. It's almost every week preaching a funeral. There are two more this week. Um, even as I was preaching the funeral on this week, it was getting notice. You know, you get those little texts and the little notice come in, and someone was, we were burying one, and another was transitioning. Sister Roe Baker Davis, who served so faithfully here in this ministry as uh, our prayer ministry, she would do uh, the prayer walks and uh, back to school, uh, book bags, and et cetera, for kids, and uh, events that would help us to go out and better evangelize our community. and. So Roe had a battle, and uh, I believe she won the battle. Some people may not look at it like that. They'll just say, well, she transitioned. Well, I think when your work is finished, it's finished. And I believe it was finished, and uh, she went home to be with the Lord. We have no details. Roe was originally from the Florida area, and most of her family members are uh, in that area and still making uh, and deciding what those arrangements will be. And when we know them, we will convey to you as a family what those uh, plans are. Another member, he was here briefly, uh, he would come, you know, we have a, a, 
uh, a pantry where we feed a multitude of people, and I am told approximately 5,000 mouths are being fed a month um, just through the food pantry here. And early on when Maurice came here, uh, I'd known Maurice since he was a little boy. I didn't even recognize him in his uh, adult uh, um, features. And when he first came, you know, you look at the eyes and said, you know, you look familiar. But Maurice was a little boy. He was in my sister's uh, Sunday school class, we would call it. And, uh, and he came here and, you know, have you ever been in a situation where the person knows you and you don't know them? You're just, they're just looking at you like, yeah, 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 come on now, talk to me. And so when he did reveal himself, I was like, wow. And so Maurice would come, and I'm a, a person who stays pretty busy, whether it's behind the desk doing and writing, or whether it's putting my jeans on and lifting and serving. And so Maurice would come beside me and help lift and serve. He would go with me on Tuesdays to pick up uh, pallets of food so that we could make sure that it was distributed to those that are in need. And, but Maurice went home to be with the Lord um, just suddenly. Um, he's a young man. Um, we don't know the details. And, you know, as I was preaching a funeral this past week, and I said to people, it's not so important to know how a person died. It's more important to know how they lived. Amen? And so what's going to happen is um, Thursday, I believe it is, Pat, or I'm losing track of time here. Um, um, so, um, but at, at any rate, what I'm going to do is we will make sure that our uh, Denise pushes out to the congregation uh, um, notifications as to when these times are, where these locations are. And I know Maurice has already been planned, but it will not take place here. It's going to be at the, uh, the funeral home, and uh, I believe it's in southeast D.C. that this location is. But we'll get you all of the uh, exact name and location and time so that if you are inclined to even just pass through um, and uh, what we call viewings and just uh, pass on your condolences to the family members, we want you to be able to do that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Do you love Jesus this morning? Yeah. Hallelujah. I, I think for me personally, on a personal level, funerals cause me to reflect perhaps much deeper. One of the first things that I, I tend to think about is, Lord, how many people really have their life in order? And I'm inclined to think that there are many that do. But I also realize that there are many that aren't. It's like a story that I think I've shared with you before. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. You know, doctors tend to tell you what length of time they think you have to live after they come to these conclusions that you are at stage four of this particular disease. And so they had given this lady what was determined to be about three months. And she was married, and her husband was a good caregiver, and he was there beside her. And one day, she just, he looked at her, and in a painful way, he asked her, he says, how does it feel to know that you're going to die? There was a moment and she looked at him, and she said to him, how does it feel to think that you're not? 
Do you understand where that's coming from? We're all going to die. It's just a matter of do you have your house in order because you don't know the day and you don't know the hour. Now all of us have plans. I'm, I'm no different. I, I call myself making short-term, mid-term, and long-term plans. I even have things planned out in 2023, but I don't know that I'll get to 2023. And the Bible tells me in all of your planning and all of your doing, you might want to make sure that you're letting today take care of itself. Have you really looked? And so I, I shared with one of the elders this morning, I said, I know I've got to get one of these seminars back in. I want to bring Fort Lincoln in, and I will probably be working on trying to make that come to pass in the month of March because you really, really, really need to do this. You know, I, we have people who pass, and then you look at the policies that people think are going to pay for the funeral, and on the policy is someone who is dead. Do you understand how that ties up things? That generally pushes things into probate, because how can you uh, pay out a policy to a dead person? And so then you're now allowing a system to have to try and determine what was that person's wishes? What did they perhaps want to happen? And so basically, that pushes it back into somebody outside of your family trying to make a determination of how to distribute or appropriate the funds that you're entitled to. And then there are the set of people who have nothing in place. And that's not right. It's not right. I mean, your family is already going through a struggle of your transition. And then they have to go through a struggle of how they're going to, how do we use that term, properly bury you? And so it's, you can say it's a morbid subject. And, you know, Pastor, you're, you're, you're starting this subject before you even preach. But I have to. I really have to. And, and here's the other thing. There is a tendency, especially in the African-American church, to look at the pastor and say, what's the church going to do? Find anywhere in the Bible where the church is supposed to pay for your burial. It's not there. That's really not what the tithes and the offering is supposed to do. So we try to put in front of you information, and we're just encouraging you very strongly. She's going to help me preach. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to be doing a baby dedication later, and uh, she's just stationed, taking the stage and letting you know she's coming. All right. Uh, so she's giving you a little inside information of something that's going to come a little later in the service uh, as we dedicate our child. Amen? So I come to a transition point in this and saying look for this information or look for this presentation to take place in March. And we'll bring in an organization that I call it one-stop shopping. In other words, these are the people who will take care of uh, mortuary services. This is the people who have... Uh, the plots and uh, various, various sites and however you might want to bury or, or even cremation for some. So it's very important that you, uh, okay parents, you might want to grab her because <laughs> uh, we want to make sure that uh, she's at a safe distance from everyone and protected as well. Amen? So 
just hold tight to her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's where I was on yesterday. I came in very early. I had a wonderful time of prayer, and then we had a corporate time of prayer, and then I did some things. Um, I have a sister that uh, just needed some care, and I went and dedicated hours to helping her just to, uh, in, in a caregiving capacity, so that things were in order in her home and in order in her life. And those of you who have family members that need help, please help them. Please check with them. I, I thank my wife. She is such a caregiver, and, and she does this with my sister uh, almost on a daily basis. And uh, so yesterday, I, I put my, uh, my, uh, my gloves on, and uh, even on my hands and knees, scrubbing and cleaning and doing those kinds of things, because it's very important that you take care of people who at that moment in their life might not be able to take care of some of these basic necessities that they need in their life. And we need to do it. You can't say that you're Christian and that you love people. And when you can help, you don't. Now, uh, we could hire services. And, of course, that's something that I'm looking into at this moment in time. But in the meantime, you do what you can. Amen? And God would expect you to do. You know, the Bible says it like this. It says, if you won't take care of your own, you are worse than an infidel. Wow. I know some of you say, what's an infidel? <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> ask uh, Siri or ask Alexa. I guarantee you they'll tell you what's an infidel. You're la I was laughing. Uh, Miss Pat was talking uh, to this device, Alexa, in our home the other day. She was just wanting to know the weather. Alexa just wouldn't answer her. <laughs> she says, it must be offline. I said, she's not offline. I said, Alexa, what's, what's the weather? She just immediately told me the weather. She said, and if you talk to me more, we can have conversation. <laughs> like, I don't want to have a conversation with you. However, let's do this for me, Alexa. Tell me how I can be a millionaire. Do you know Alexa went through a whole process of telling me how to be a millionaire? Miss Pat was listening. <laughs> she said, I don't know what age you are, and I wouldn't tell her. And she said, but if you start now, and she was speaking of the date and time that we were making this question, she said, if you start now, <laughs> she put it in a long term, though. She said, $300 a month, and in 42 years, you'll be a millionaire. Just like that. Now, I know some people think that that's where you need to go get your information from, but I'm telling you, this is where you need to go get your information from. There's nothing wrong with getting that technology and employing it. You hear me talking about it in, in my home. But I don't rely on her for life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And folks, I am perhaps at this point in my life where I'm wondering who's going to finish. Look at your neighbor and say, go the distance. That's what I'm asking. Who's going to go the distance? There are people who start a race, but not everybody finishes a race. You know, last week, I'm pretty sure as many of you watched what was the conclusion of the football season. 
And you realize that probably in April of last year, all of the teams started to do what was called spring practice or drills. All of them started out with the quest of somehow we are going to get to that finish line. How many of you know all of them didn't finish? How I many of you know that there are people, you know, you all watched on television, played out, I'm sure, on the news, where there was one player who just started undressing on the field? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Antonio, <laughs> Antonio Brown is his name. And he just said, he just quit. There are people in the body of Christ that do that too. Pressure comes. This comes, that comes. Perhaps it's not doing and, and happening like you think it ought to happen. Pastor, I'll see you later. Rainbow. Jesus. I mean, you know, people get mad with Jesus. Why you let that happen? Why you allowed that? Why you didn't do this for me? Why you didn't do that for me? How many of you know God is good? I hear that echo saying all the time. And you're right. He is that way all the time. So that means there is at no time that God is not being good to you. Sometimes we just don't see it happening in our timeline. But God doesn't work on your timeline. God's working on his timeline. God is asking you to submit and to yield. And if you will submit and yield to the leading and the guidance that his word instructs us to, you'll go the distance. You can live a Christian life with no regrets. You can live a Christian life with no regrets. I often have and come in contact with people, and perhaps they're in a hospital bed, perhaps they're even in a hospice. Perhaps they're in their home and they realize that they're coming to the last of their hour, the last of their days. And I hear people sometimes will start to say, I, I, I wish I had. You know, this is going down the list of I, I would have, I should have, and I even could have done this. But I'm talking to you about living life with none of those types of regrets. And how do you get to the end? How many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Raise your hand like you, you want to go to heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. I, I'm, I'm thinking this is a week where my mind is being flooded because just a few years ago, my father passed on the 23rd of, uh, of February, a day before my wife's birthday. And, and, and it was like, wow. And I know it's approaching. It's fast approaching. And, and, and I, I see uh, in my dream, I was dreaming. I was like, wow, he was just like he was right here. And you wake up, but he's not. But I believe that it's kind of one of those things that's a, a, a precondition that he's not dead. He is alive. He's just not alive here on terra firma. But he is living in God. And, and even in my early days, and when my father would uh, spend time making sure that all of his children were in church every time the church doors would open. And I'll share it with you. I don't come from a small family. I have seven sisters. I have two brothers. When you do the math, and you add me in, that means there were ten of us. 
How many of you got a car that'll carry 10 people? And all of us was in church. What did that mean? Two trips. The younger ones got carried to church first with mama. You come back and get the older one. They better not, better not be back in bed. You better be ready. Because all did, all Pop was going to do was pull up and you jump in. You were at expectation. Almost like a friend of mine who lives in Arizona. One morning he was getting ready to go to church. His oldest son was doing what we call primping. You know what primping is? How many of you know what primping is? Raise your hand. You know the word primping. Primping, <laughs> me, he really liked to look at himself a lot. <laughs> he liked to pat his hair and make sure every hair was in place. He liked to trim and do things. And he liked to look at himself in whatever attire he was wearing. He wanted to be fresh. But one morning, he was just primping too much. And dad and mom and his other siblings were ready to go. And here's what dad said when he wasn't ready because he hadn't quite gotten dressed. Dad says, we're going to church. And when we get to church, we want you to be at church at the same time we arrive. Everybody say, Uber. <laughs> Trust me. He called an Uber. And he told the Uber, you got to step on it this morning because I got to get to church the same time my parents get to church. He got dressed in a hurry. But what I'm trying to emphasize is that as parents, we'll get to that, especially with you who are dedicating a child. You've got to be about it. If you ever want your child to be about it, you've got to be about it. You've got to be one of those people who seek first. Otherwise, we just go through the motions here. And we are not about going through the motions. We're talking about putting something in motion, but not just going through the motions. Children follow the example that is set by their parents or those that are responsible for them. That's the example that they're going to follow. They're not going to be looking so much at what I do as much as they look at what you do. And what children do is decide whether you're truthful or you're a liar. Your word ought, ought to be just like God's word. God says, my word is a yea is a yea and a nay is a nay. This is what training, and the Bible uses that word emphatically, train your children in the way that they should go. And he said, they're going to get older, but as a result of their age getting older, they're going to get wiser, and they are not going to forsake what you have taught them. Now, if you teach them wrong, it generally is hard for them to forsake doing wrong. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, come on. Anybody ever set out to teach your child to become a liar? Eh, every now and then you do, though. The doorbell rings. Tell them I'm not home. Come on. You didn't think about it like that. The phone rings. Tell them I'm not here. And we say, wait, well, I, I didn't train my child to lie. Uh, you might want to think about that. It's those little things. It's the little subtle things that you do. Thou shalt not steal. But perhaps they've seen you do something that wasn't integrity, didn't reflect integrity. And so they start to learn that. And this is why it's so important to be a not only a teacher in your home, but one who puts it into practice. 
you put it into practice. You teach your children what's first priority. Now, Matthew 6.33, which I'm sure you all know, it says, seek ye what? Now, what comes ahead of first? You know the answer. First is Christ. But sometimes in our lifestyle, we give the impression that there's something else more important than God. Y'all, I, I certainly understand that there are people who are saying, man, it seems like pastor's trying to push us back into church. I'm not trying to push you back into church. I'm trying to get you back into the word. It's God first. Pastor's pushing us into danger. Come on, please. How many of you, your children are back in school? Go ahead, raise your hand. Huh? Your children are back in school. And, and, and if your children are back in school, they ought to be back in church. That environment is more crowded than this environment. And you can see all around the world they are pushing back on a lot of the mandates. We're not going to push back on too many too fast. You know, some of you are looking at me with your mask on and saying, why is they, you know, are they releasing? Nah, we're not quite ready there. I'm, I want to hear God in this. And I will hear God in this. I, I will listen to state officials, and the Bible tells me I'm to give unto Caesar what is Caesar, but I'm to give unto God what is God. And there are some certain things when you're living this Christian life that will, will cause you to want to push back. But I think when you read your Bible very carefully, God is telling you, press, press, press. Press the mark, the mark of the high calling. Press the mark, the mark. You know, this church is called Rainbow. But if you think about it in the natural, you'll never be able to enjoy a rainbow without a little rain. You ever seen a rainbow before rain? If you are, you're on the water, you're on a cruise ship or a boat, and you see it reflecting off of the water. But in the actuality, most times you'll never see a rainbow without some rain. So there's some rain that comes into your life, but hallelujah, you know that there's a rainbow at the very end of it. Amen? You'll never know what it's like to be healed until you've been sick. How can you identify being healed if you've never been sick? But you're, you're, the Bible is trying to remind you, God brings you through. Somebody shout, God brings you through. God brings you through. He does. You'll never be able to know real joy until you've experienced some sorrow. And that's why every now and then when you hear scriptures, and you mostly hear it at funerals when you hear this one, weeping may endure for a night. But what happens? Joy comes in the morning. And I don't believe it's just for, for that. Sometimes that I see things, experience things that make me cry. But I know God's still going to bring me out of that situation. I know that I'm going to rejoice. There are times where you will cry. And people think, and they hear people saying, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Say, Come on, stop. It's okay to cry, too. Somebody say, Jesus. Did he ever cry? Yes, he did. Shortest scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept. I can remember that one. How many of you know that scripture? Well, tell me where it's at. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> it is a scripture. Jesus wept. But you'll never know rejoicing until you've had some and experienced some sorrow. You'll never know what a good day is until you've lived through a bad day. 
Anybody ever lived through a bad day? I'm talking about more than just a bad hair day, though. A bad day. Where, where it seems like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I remember years ago there was a particular show and they were talking about these bad days and they were talking about a young boy who went through what we would call a bad day. A young boy was doing something that he should have been, shouldn't have been doing. He was taking some substance and he was driving, driving way too fast, had an accident, had a head-on collision with another car. Because he was so lucid, because he was so in, inebriated, he just kind of rolled with the accident. But he got out of the car and was checking on the car that he had the head-on collision with. Immediately he could see in the driver's side that it was his mom's best friend. And that was bad. But he looked over into the passenger seat and he realized that was his mom. Both dead. Then on top of that, that's called vehicular manslaughter. And he is now being incarcerated, prosecuted, and imprisoned for taking two lives. Bad day. But here's the good part now, because I told you all the bad. He meets Jesus. He starts to testify about the goodness of the Lord. He tells all of his friends who are not incarcerated. He doesn't stay incarcerated forever. But he becomes a powerful man of God. He's preaching and reaching thousands of people today. Telling them about the goodness of the Lord. How many of you know you can have a comeback from a setback? Because of a God that we serve. And so some of you may be here this morning and you are experiencing what you feel like is a setback, but I'm telling you, we have a God that's a God that will allow you to come back. You know how your parents would say to you, when life gives you lemon, get you some water and some sugar, make you some lemonade, get you some Jesus, get you some Jesus. Bible says he'll give you beauty for your ashes. He'll give you joy for whatever pain that you're going through or sorrow that you're experiencing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Open your Bibles there. I, I, Alfred, I don't even know if you have this scripture in your, 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 your list that I gave you, but 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is where I want to start uh, just to help you see some things because out of this text, um, it's the second letter of that the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And Paul was one who, when we look at his life, we see he knows a lot about going through some stuff. And there are some things that we will go through, and I, I love to remind people that means you're going through. That doesn't mean you're staying there. Doesn't mean that that's where you're going to take up residence. You're just going through. 23rd Psalm, as most of us know it, says, I'm, well, I go through the valley and the shadow of death. But I'm going through it. I'm not staying there. And Paul was helping us in this particular passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 24 and 25. And he's helping us to see 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to go to verse 24 and 25. You've got uh, one up there. Verse 24 and 25 is where we're going to be. In verse 24 it says, 
five different times, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Somebody say, that's a whooping. I know that's not proper English, but you know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine somebody whipping you with a whip and giving you 39 lashes? Go back to that scripture for me. Don't go ahead of me. You go back to that verse. Look, look at what he's saying. Verse 24, back it up just a little bit for me, team. Five different times. Not one time. How many of you have gotten one whipping? Like plus four. One is enough to make you want to just change, isn't it? It was kind of like me talking to you about an injury or, or, or uh, ailment that I had. And I said, look, when the doctor says you need to change your diet, I said, he didn't have to say nothing else to me, Miss Angela. It was done. He said, you don't need to eat no more red meat. It's like, red meat, you gone. You don't need to eat no more shellfish. I like shrimp, but you gone. No more shellfish. I love crab, but crabs, you gone. Because that pain, <laughs> I don't ever want to experience it again. But look at what happened. Paul says, they did this to me five times. Somebody said, Paul loved Jesus. Do you? You might be going through something. And I, I believe the devil says, if I can put enough squeeze on some people. Anybody remember a man named Job in the Bible? Do you know the devil told God, if I can squeeze him enough, he'll curse you and die. Come on, how much squeeze can he put on you? Paul was saying, I don't care how many times they whip me. I will not deny Jesus. I don't care how much struggle or trouble I may face. I know my God will bring me through. Somebody shout, he will bring you through. Kind of like I shared with you, the pastor in our lives, he said to me when we had our last visit, and we had no idea this would be our last visit with him. He was a, such a giver. I, I, I had a few objects that he had given me over the course of time. And folks, I'm going back into the 80s. Some of you weren't even born then. My wife and I were getting married in, in, in January of 1981. And so in the early 70s and through the 70s, he was so influential in our lives, but he was always a giver. I looked in my collection. I have a hat. Every time you saw his name was Reverend Harvey L. Riley. Every time you saw him, he gifted you. He, he, he would either pull it out of his pocket and he'd give you some money. Whatever he had. Uh, I, he, he was, I, I told him, Reverend Riley, I can't take him. Uh, I was at his house. I don't go golfing no more. And I said, Reverend Riley, huh? <laughs> I'm on a tight schedule, and I don't have the ability to take these golf clubs, but he wanted to give. So he said, well, if you can't take the golf club, take my golf hat. And I was looking at the little golf hat the other day. Reminded me such of a sweet individual. I remember when, you know, we were uh, two little young kids, and you have no money. And, and, and he looked at Pat, and we talked to him, we was talking to him about getting married, and he said, oh, wow. He said, don't have to worry about nothing. I, we even got a dress. <laughs> he had a dress for Miss Pat. It was one of his daughter, his daughter, he had one daughter, uh, Tanya, and, and Tanya was two times bigger than Miss Pat, but he said, we can take it up. <laughs> it was her debutante gone, but he was just like, hey, whatever it takes. 
I want to help you. How many of you are like that with other people? You just want to help them. Whatever it takes, you, you're willing to help. Whatever sacrifice you need to make, you're willing to make. I love people like that. But I remember in our last visit with Reverend Raleigh, he said to me, and as he's looking at me, he says, I'm so proud of you guys. I knew that you would. In other words, he was basically, when we knew him, we weren't pastors. We weren't even thinking about being pastors. And when, now that he knew that we were pastors, he says, I'm so proud of you guys. He said, I could see it. I knew it then. He says, but you didn't know it. See, there are times where I look at you, I look at your children, and I know that there's something in them. I, I was telling Juan Pablo, I, I was getting ready to come out of the church two weeks ago, and I said to him, I saw your son, and immediately God showed me a scripture. It's an armor bearer scripture, and I told Juan Pablo, I said, uh, uh, Matthew needs to be my armor bearer. He, he does, and I, I need him to track with me every Sunday as an armor bearer. Now, I know he's a young young. Come here, Matthew. That's my buddy. Yeah, I, I love him. But I know this. God's called him real special. Hey, Doc. <laughs> I love him. This is going to be my armor bearer. When y'all see him walking with me, got my Bible in his hand, you know why? Because one day, I believe, I'm going to have to put the Bible in his hand and say, Matthew, keep preaching. Matthew, keep teaching. Matthew, keep carrying the gospel as far and as fast as you can into the uttermost parts of the earth. And I believe from a young man up to, the, I, I, I will be able to see it. That's one thing I love about God. He shows me some things way down the road and say, you'll see it. You'll see it. But this is one of these sons that you're going to see grow up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord. Miss Pat, I have all the little girls. That's all right. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you, buddy. Give me a pound. All right. And, and, and it's early on that you start to see these things. And you don't let anything squeeze you from the future that God has for you. How many of you know God has a plan for you? Jeremiah 33, you know that? God has a plan for you. I've just simply discovered the plan of God for my life. So Reverend Riley said to, to, to us when we were meeting him, I didn't know it was our last time. He said, son, do you know what the pulpit is? And I thought, I'm, you know, you get this visual of, of a pulpit. And he says, the pulpit is this. God calls you to pull people out of the pit. That's all the pulpit is for. That's all this platform is for, for me to come to get before God and to get a word from the Lord to help pull people out of the pit that they may be in. That's all a pulpit. It is not to aggrandize yourself. It is not to try to make a name for yourself. It's not to put your lights up into neon letters. It's for you to begin to diminish. How many of you know the Bible says you must decrease so that Christ might what? Increase. Because you know what? At the end of the day, if you don't ever remember my name, but you can remember this name, Jesus been accomplished. Look, my name gets messed up all the time. I tell people drumming. I, yesterday I was at Chick-fil-A. My sister I was on her way to her house and she said, bring me some Chick-fil-A. I said, oh Lord. So I went to Chick-fil-A. And you know, after you take your order, they say, uh, can I have a name? I said, drumming. But I looked at my ticket, it said, drumming. <laughs> Years ago, some of you can remember when they used to give this kind of like a punch card ticket to fly. I'm going way back now. 
But you all know what it is. Anybody back in the day, you know what I'm talking about. And I was out on the West Coast. And, uh, and the, you know, we would have to go up to the counter, get your bags checked and checked in. And the lady had my tickets, and she was checking my bags. And, and she said, is that really your name? wrong with her? I said, sure, that's my name. My, my first name is Horace. I, said, I know it's an old-fashioned name, but that was my grandfather's name. I'm proud of it. But how, it happened that when she checked my bag and I got my ticket, I looked at the ticket a little close. And that was back in the day that I didn't pay attention to how your name was spelled. It was H-O-R-S-E. <laughs> So those of you can spell, you got it. <laughs> no, that was not my name. And I was uh, like, oh, man, I need to go back and tell her, no, that is not my name, lady. <laughs> but, you know, my name is not important, but the name of Jesus is extremely important for her. Your name is not significantly important. It's the name of Jesus. So let's go a little further. Put that scripture back up, starting at verse 24, if you don't mind. And it says five times... The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now let's go to verse 25 of that same text. In verse 25, it says, three times I was beaten with rods. Now he's telling you how he was beaten. He told you how many times he was beaten. He told you how many lashes that he had. And now he's telling you, they beat me with rods. How many of you know you go to jail if you beat somebody with a rod now? At least in this country, you should. Three times I was shipwrecked and once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea that's a love for God you know the scriptures even say to us what could separate you what could separate you from the love of God you know Job's wife quickly drifted she actually said it she said, you know all this stuff we're going through why you keep holding on to God? You remember what his wife said to him? I, I don't ever want to have a wife like that. Because the wife said to Joe, curse God and die. Hmm. That's a terrible place to be in your mental capacity. That you feel like the only thing that you should do is curse God and die. Just give up. Look at your neighbor again and say, go the distance. What should you do rather than curse God? You should what? Bless God. Bless the Lord at all time and let his praises be what? Continually in your mouth. Even when I don't feel it, God's working. Even when I don't see it, God's working. Even when I don't even fully know what's going on, God's working. God's working on my behalf. God's working on your behalf. God's working on this nation's behalf. Come on, all of us have been uh, probably paying some attention to the fact that a lot of tension is building up in Ukraine. I think every day some mention is being made of how many Russian soldiers are on the borders of Ukraine and how the capital of, of Kiev, where so many people are, that at any moment now, You'll be getting news of bombs exploding and innocent children and women and men dying in the streets because somebody doesn't know what love is. Every day, it seems, I'm hearing that 
in this DMV area, and, and because I use streaming, I, I tend to look at news all over the United States now. I look at a little West Coast news. I look at a little bit of the Midwest news. I look at a little bit of the South news. And, and, and I look at the news because the Lord is showing me, I need you to be praying, young man. I need my church to be praying. I'm not just gathering news for the sake of gathering news. I'm gathering news to find out what is the devil attempting to do. And it's everywhere the same thing. He's killing. He's stealing. He's destroying. Every morning when you wake up, I guarantee you in the DMV, somebody got shot. Children shot. People in their home shot. People in the street shot. You know, last, last night down in Raleigh, at a student, North Carolina State, my niece, my wife called her right away. As soon as she heard two children right outside of the dormitory that she lived, dead. North Carolina, she's at North Carolina Central. But at North Carolina State, a young man just went to a food line just to get some food. Bullets ringing, trying to run to his car. Kill. What are we saying, folks? Something's got to change. And change is not going to happen because you pull out a gun. Change is going to happen when you realize how important for you to fall on your knees and cry out to God. Read that scripture up there. You don't have to look at the screen. You can look at that one. Can you read it from there? Go ahead and read it out loud, really loud. For those who are watching, we're reading 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And God is saying, the healing of the land comes with the people of God who turn to God, who don't get squeezed out of prayer. Some of you let the devil squeeze you out of prayer. You don't see the need of it. You think it's just a pastor like a broken record trying to push you into prayer. I'm not trying to be a broken record. But I am a voice crying in the wilderness. I am a voice crying and telling you, if change is going to come, if we're going to see some change in this world, we're going to have to do what the Bible says to do. If we're going to see healing in the land, and it's not going to come, folks, through legislation. It's going to come through revelation. The word of God being revealed in the heart of man. Look, President or whatever his title is, the, the leader of Russia, Putin. There's got to be a revelation comes to this individual. To those who call themselves the KGB, to those that call themselves the CIA, or whatever intelligence gathering agent. We are intelligent until we let God tell us how to live our lives. That's not intelligence. I don't think it's intelligent for me to say, it's all right to just drop a bomb on White Oak today. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like how they're acting. And so I'll just drop a bomb. That'll solve it. That won't solve it. Look how long the nations have existed. and Look how far war has gotten us. 
not far. A native Washingtonian by the name of Marvin Gaye. Who remember Marvin Gaye back in the day? I remember my aunt talking about when he was in school. They would just let Marvin have uh, the lunch cafeteria. He would sing and entertain the rest of the kids. And he went on to Motown and started recording. And I'm not telling you to go back and try to dig up all the Motown. I'm just talking about. He wrote a song, and it was titled, What's Going On? I wish somebody could have told Marvin what's going on is that people don't know Jesus. I wish I had been bright enough at the time. I was just in my teens at the time, I think, when Marvin Gaye made that song, What's Going On? But he was talking about the political landscape of the world, and, and, and he literally knew that we needed to change, and he knew that love was the only thing. And there was a, another gentleman around. You're going to have to help me here. Uh, um, he, 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 he wrote a song called War. What is it good for? Edwin Starr. Thank you. Edwin Starr is his name. Edwin Starr. Atlantic Starr was a group. Edwin Starr wrote a song, War. What is it good for? And you know how the echo would go? Absolutely nothing. So what is needed? What will help people to go the distance? What will cause preachers like myself and around the metropolitan area saying, you know, we're tired of preaching so many funerals, and they are funerals of our children. They are funerals of teenagers. They are funerals of people in their 20s. We're saying even the undertakers are getting together with preachers and with the police department and saying, what can we do to help stop this struggle that's in our streets? And folks, I look at young people and I want them to be able to go to distance. I want you to be able to go to distance. But I know you won't go to distance unless you know God. And we looked at Paul only from the perspective that Paul was going the distance and he was saying, I went through some stuff, but my love for God it kept me. It kept me. I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 now, and I want to read something to you from the Message Bible. And most of you might not have that translation, but from Eugene Peterson's The Message Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 7 through 12 in that uh, particular translation. And they've got it on the screen for you. And if you start at verse 7, it says, If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. And he's not just talking preachers here, folks. He's talking about you and I as believers. This is you. This is how the Bible is describing you, as earthen clay pots. You know, some of the most precious things that people had was buried in earthen clay pots. When my wife and I, we lived in South Korea for a period of time, and during that time, people would take all of the, the harvest, the crops that they would grow, and, and they literally would put them with proper seasonings in them into earthen clay pots and bury them in the ground during the winter, redigging them in the spring. 
And God says, you are considered an earthen clay vessel. How many of you know how God formed man? The Bible says he took what? The dust of the earth. Formed it. Created man. Blew the breath of life in him. And so that's why he uses this term, earthen clay pots. You and I. And he says, we've got a message, a precious message on the inside of us. A precious message around in this unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives that to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. In other words, we are nothing. Say, I am nothing. I am nothing. We, the Bible says we're like vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And don't let it get it to He's just saying, don't get it twisted. Whatever good thing that you may be able to do, you couldn't have done it without God. Whatever good plan that you have for your life, you can't succeed without God. You won't do anything that when the day comes and your name is called, that you can say, God, I did this. How many of you remember God talked about people who were standing before him saying, God, God, Lord, Lord, did not? That was a problem. I did not. And what God is trying to let you know, apart from him, you can do nothing. How many of you really woke yourself up this morning? My daddy used to say it like this. It was the finger of God's love that woke you up. Some of you may say, well, I set my alarm. <laughs> There's a lot of people who set their alarm, and they're laying on a, a slab in a city morgue. Nothing but God's amazing grace is what got you up this morning. Amen? Let's go a little bit further. We're in verse 7. Let's go. Verse 8. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourself that you're not much to look at. <laughs> and I know some of you think I'm all that, but you're not all that. I like the way the scripture break it down and make it real with you, don't how many of you, like I say, keep it real? The scripture will keep it real with you. It says, you ain't all that to look at. And even if you thought you were all that to look at, just let time keep working with you. Come on, anybody ever look at some of your pictures from the days back? Now, some of y'all got better. <laughs> I won't go no further than that. Y'all get upset with me. Be wanting to write me all the little letters. Let me just go on and stay with the word. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourself that you're not much to look at. You've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but you are not demoralized. We're not sure what to do from time to time. Next verse, please. But we know that God knows what to do, and we've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down. We haven't been broken. Say, I am not broken. Say, I am not forgotten. No matter what you've gone through. For the past two, three years, it's been, it's been rough. But I'm not broken. Some of you, your jobs may have come to an end, but you're not broken. Some of you, you went through the worst medical battle that you've ever had to face in your life, but you are not finished. Come on, tell somebody, God is not through with me yet. God's not through with you yet. Your family may have had some of the hardest times that they've ever faced, but God is not done with you yet. He wants you 
to go the distance. He wants us to go the distance. He wants us to be successful. You should read that passage of Scripture. Let me just give it to you again. I was reading from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Read it from at least six different translations. And I guarantee you it's going to become life to you. How can you read it? I don't have six different Bibles, Pastor. Yes, you do. If you've got uh, internet capability and you've got a phone, there's a little app, or not even an app, there's just a, a, a place that you can go called BibleGateway.com. It'll give you all the translations, 36 of them. I'm just asking you to read six. And I'm saying in reading six different translations of the same passage, light is going to come. The Bible says the entrance of God's word is what gives us light. The entrance of God's word is what illuminates you, the Bible says, in your inner man. The entrance of God's word is what calls you to be translated out of darkness over into what the Bible calls a marvelous light. And God wants you to be able to see. How many of you ever tried to walk in your house and didn't turn the lights on? And after a while, you went, ouch, ow, oh. How many of you know it's better to walk in the light? And God is trying to get you to walk in the light. And he said, the entrance of his word is what gives you a light. You may be fumbling in the darkness, creeping in the darkness, but I'm telling you, you're going to stumble and fall, though. The devil is sitting you up. The devil has a trap for you when you stay in darkness. And the Bible says, as long as you stay apart from the word of God, you are in darkness. Pastor, I'm doing all right. You think you're doing all right. And that's, that's the deception. That's what we would call propaganda. Propaganda is, even in warfare, even countries do that. They drop a bunch of leaflets. Propaganda. They're basically saying to the citizens, you need to turn on your, your, your current government. I mean, you know, Jan January 6th was a lot of propaganda. And so much so that it got people stirred up to do some stupid stuff. The devil wants to get you stirred up to do stupid stuff. Propaganda. How many of you know the Bible says it like this? The devil is the father of every lie. And he said, let God's word be what? True. And let every other word that you're hearing be a lie. Because if it's not coming from God, I'll just leave it there. I'll let you figure that out. I'm going to give you five things, perhaps six. If you want to get there, and I'll go back and I'll deal with these at another day, another time, another Sunday, the Lord willing. But if you want to get the, to the end, if you want to go the distance, here's one of the things I want to tell you. Number one, honor Jesus Christ. Honor Jesus Christ. Honor Jesus through worship. Honor Jesus through obedience to his word, to the word of God. Honor Jesus by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, something that we spent time on in the month of February, the first part of this month talking about the leading of the Holy Ghost. Here's number two. If you want to go the distance, if you want to go the distance, number two, pursue vital relationships. 
with a few other Christians. And I'm very specific about the word few in there. Matter of fact, it's highlighted in my notes. Pursue vital relationships with a few other Christians. This is why the Lord showed me the value of home cell groups. And oftentimes I say, uh, I, I feel like we're missing it a little bit in Rainbow Family Christian Center because not only are you supposed to have vital relationships, but you're supposed to help with that relationship as it were, a cell. How many of you know what a cell does in your body? It multiplies. It grows. A new cell starts from it. Another cell starts from that. And so if in our church, if we have cells and they don't grow, then we're not accomplishing what we were intended to do. If we might get the vital relationship, but that vital relationship is for me to be able to recognize the God in other people. Folks, I've led multitudes of home cells, and I remember being in a home cell, and I remember being very comfortable being in that home cell. And I remember the day. I mean, what does the eagle do to his little chicklets? After a period of time, after Mama Eagle and Papa Eagle have brought all that food to them, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They go out, they hunt, they bring the food back. They literally feed it into the baby's mouth. But how many of you know after a while, you got to get out the nest. And this is why in, in, in this church, as a pastor, I've been trying to say, I'm trying to say to my home cell leaders even now, if we haven't multiplied in a year, something's broken. Something is broken. We've only saw friendship as the in. But friendships are needed, but it's not the end of the road. It's not going the distance. Everyone should reach one so that those that they reach can go teach others. When you hear the gospel, part of your mindset should be this. I need to go share what I just heard. Remember the last week when I was saying to you, how many of you have heard gossip? All of you. <laughs> what happens usually with gossip? Soon as you hear the gossip, come on. If something was happening and all of a sudden you say, let me put this out on Instagram. Y'all, y'all old people, y'all say, let me put it out on Facebook. Young people ain't on Facebook. They're mostly in other platforms of social media. But you know how to, you start looking and saying, how many likes? How many followers? How many of you know you should have people following you as you follow Christ? And perhaps, yes, when they start following you, they understand that it's all about following Christ. And then they go out and reach other people who help who are helped to follow Christ. So back to number two. Pursue vital relationships with a few other Christians. Folks, as the body of Christ increases, you will not know everybody in the body of Christ. I often find myself, when people talk to me, they, they say, uh, after they discover that I'm a pastor, they say, no, do you know pastor so-and-so? I'm like, no. You know how large this city is. Do you know how many churches are just in Silver Spring alone? No, I don't know that pastor. But if 
I get a chance to meet them, I know they're part of the family. How many of you have met all of the family members in your family? Well, they're part of your family, right? And that's why oftentimes when you have family reunion, if they're like mine, they're off the hook large. All of my daddy's brothers and sisters had a lot of children. Well, not so much the sisters, but the brothers did. I think they were competing. But my dad had 10. His brother, one of his closest one, had 11. I told you about his younger brother had 36 children. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I was looking at this lady's eyes. She's like, what? <laughs> what in the world? Five different women, married to none. I'm never endorsing any kind of lifestyle like that. Five different women, married to none, 36 children. I'm walking down the streets of Augusta, Georgia one day, and there's a young man coming right at me. I thought it was a mirror that somebody had put into the street. He looked just like me. And when he looked at me, like I'm looking at him, and we're like, we're related somehow. And sure enough, my dad's younger brother, 36. I don't know all of them. But I know that when I come in contact, they are my family. You understand what I'm saying? Folks, you won't know all of the Christians. Sometimes a church, just the individual church, will start to grow so large, you won't know all the people in the church. Doesn't mean that they're not your family. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't love them. This is why I encourage you, don't get so, become creatures of habit where you sit at the same place all the time. How many of you go to the family reunion and leave your family reunion and still don't know nobody? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, brother. See, you gotta, you gotta mix it up. You gotta get to know them. And so you gotta be an initiator because a lot of times people are not initiators. They are participators. They come, they sit, but they don't even talk to anybody. They don't change any information. You gotta learn how to be an initiator. God wants you to be an initiator and he wants you to develop vital relationships with people. Folks, every now and then you need somebody that you can call on that will pray for you. Every now and then, you need somebody that will stand for you, will stand with you as you're going through some stuff. And this is why we encourage people to get in the home cell. But we're saying to you, after you get in that home cell, expect for that home cell to grow and to multiply so that we can reach more of our community. Not just a few. Not just a select. Because after a while, that starts to look like a click. That starts to actually feel like a click. That actually starts to perhaps not be so concerned about other people, just us. You remember me sharing with you a man who prayed a prayer and says, Lord, bless us for and no more? It's actually in the Bible, too, where a man is praying that. He's, he's just concerned about, I mean, you just think about yourself. And I know all of you heard this. We call it the golden rule. What is the golden rule, biblically speaking? The golden rule is what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I kind of put it in these terms. That means that you defer and prefer another. The Bible says it in, in terms like this. He who would be first, let him be what? Because you're putting somebody else ahead of you. That really is what the scripture is wanting you to learn. If you're going to go the distance, it's not just about you. Third thing that I want you to see, and I'll, I'll go through five and stop. Practice Spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. 
practice spiritual, moral, ethical, and sexual purity. We're talking about going to the distance. We're talking about being there in that number. We're talking about God looking at you, you face to face and saying, you've been good. You've been faithful. Enter into my rest. We're talking about going the distance here. Fourthly, of these five things that I want to share with you this morning, build a strong family through love, protection, and biblical values. Build a strong family through love, protection, and biblical values. Again, I'll come back and elaborate on all five of these points so that you can have scriptures within the context, but I'm giving you a broad brush this morning. Fifth, the final thing that I'll probably say here is support the mission of your church. The Bible says he gives every house a vision, and without the vision, the people will perish. Support the mission of your church by honoring and praying for your pastor. You say, well, Pastor, you kind of patting yourself on the back. No, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you, I need your prayers. I'm telling you, my emotions were so high and preaching my cousin's funeral on this week. Man, wow. And you know what? Wednesday is coming, yet another cousin. Thursday is coming, yet another member. Another day is coming, and yet another. I need your prayers. Some days I go home, my body is so pained. I have lifted so many pounds of food. I remember before we even had an electrical pallet jack. You all know Mr. Barry, and Mr. Barry would not let me go by myself. And some days I, I, I feel for him because I knew he had had many operations. I knew he had had an open heart. I know that he had had uh, help replacement, and, I, and, and he'd be trying to help me move these big old heavy 1,200, 1,500-pound pallets. And folks, it, it takes a lot of this power to pull that thing out of a truck that's on a downward lean. And sometimes we would have 10 pallets of food. I remember going to Safeway. Before Safeway's warehouse moved to Pennsylvania, they were in Upper Marlboro, and Man, Safeway, this was a time when all of you were going to the store and they were saying, we're out of chicken. They weren't out of chicken. They just wasn't, <laughs> they wasn't selling it to the market. We were getting it. I was getting 10. And I'm talking about every day. We went on Monday. We went on Tuesday. We went on Wednesday. We went on Thursday. I even took three other ministries with me. Bring your truck. And I remember the, the warehouse manager said to us, you all haven't made a dent. But when we get back, you'd have to say, Lord, help me to pull that out. Pray for your pastor. And so you, you ask why I'm saying all of this? Pray for your pastor. I am not a pastor that sits behind the desk all day. Just go to rainbowcdc.org. Sometimes I'll be telling Miss Pat, stop filming me. You just saying. <laughs> This is, this is my husband, this is pastor, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling them pallets, I'm lifting stuff, and, uh, and, and crates of water. Ah. How many of you know water weighs a lot? 
I don't need to go to the gym. I get to the gym every day. You tell me you've been wasting ten dollars, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty dollars. Come on, yeah, I, I, just come to pastor's workout. I won't charge you. <laughs> just hang with me for a day. I'll give you a solid workout. I guarantee you. When you go home, you will feel like you were in a true workout. But I don't get weary in the well doing, and you wouldn't get weary in the well doing, because you're not doing it as unto man. You're doing it as unto God and so that fifth point support the mission of your church it's important to know that God has called this church to build a community bridge over cultural divide God is saying to us black people are important they do matter but guess what white people matter Asians matter Latinos matter every race of people matters I understand Black Lives Matter. I understand the context behind it. I understand that people have not felt like they were human beings and treated uh, beneath their dignity. I talk to you about my father all of the time, having come from uh, a generation of what we know were slaves to the point of being landowners and, and working for themselves. I talked to you about my father feeling like he couldn't look up into the eyes of somebody that was white because in his day and age, you get slapped to the ground. I told you about men wearing signs, A-frames, that says, I am a man. You all only see them when you see Martin Luther King's birthday, and they, they might show some uh, 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 footage, but that was normality. I, civil rights is a part of something that I grew up in. The dogs, the water hoses, the fire hoses. Young people, you all go in restaurants like it's nothing. In my day, at your age, we couldn't go through the front door. If you wanted some food, you knew the people that were cooking the food, but you couldn't go through the front door. You had to go to the back door and get it through a brown paper bag, but you paid the same amount of money. And that's why when the children, the college students at Greensboro went and sat in on the stools, and if you look at the pictures, you see them. They were they were soaked in in soda and 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 milkshakes and other things because people were trying to intimidate them and say, "You are not a value." I went through that. I wasn't always bald headed. I had Jackson Five big afro <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> and I can remember being at school and kids pouring spaghetti and meat sauce in my pretty picked out afro. I can remember going in, and, 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 and I'm in a school where the bathrooms are labeled male, female, other. I, I, look, I went to the Pentagon. I'm in the military. I've been serving my country. And I go in, and they got me in ops, Air Force ops, and it's down in the basement of the Pentagon, and there's a purple water fountain. Folks, I'm talking about in the 80s. They didn't remove it until 91. Until some of us said, do you know how degrading that is? 
Well, what is, the, what is it with the purple water fountain? Because you couldn't drink out of water fountain that other people. Some of you watched a movie called The Help. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you remember when they said, you can't be letting the maids use your bathroom. And how, how did you get over here, folks? I'm talking about how do you make it when all kinds of struggles and troubles come? How do you go the distance? If you don't know Jesus, you will get mad. And if I can say it like this, you get mad as hell. And you will lose focus. You've got to learn how to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you will win the prize. You will finish the race. You will have kept the faith. And you know what? What people say about you or attempt to do to you, but God says what they meant for evil, he'll turn it for good. When they told me that I wasn't smart enough to go to the school, that just made me study harder. That's what caused me to be the valedictorian. Look, when, 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 you know how I, I said it already. When they give you some lemons, you better learn how to do what to do with that lemon. You can turn it into something good. Whatever the devil has meant for evil, the Bible says God will turn it for good. This is why in this transition point, God tries to help parents to realize it's why it's so important for you to get the children into the things of God early. We call these times dedication. But dedicated means that as a parent, I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to making sure my child knows God. I'm dedicated to helping to ensure that my child knows the word of God. Because that's going to be the lamp unto my child's feet. That's going to be the light unto my child's path. That's going to be the medicine for my child's I am dedicating that the word will be in them. That the word will be spoken out of them. That they will know more praises under Jesus than they know more Jay-Z and Beyonce who won't be able to get them to heaven. They'll know more about the Bible than they know about any other book. That's what baby dedication is about. See, if we go back into the book of Judges, the first time we see this thing of baby dedication, we're looking at Hannah, a woman who has been at the altar praying, praying so intense that even the priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. Man, this woman is, is intense. She was intense. She was intense. And you know what she said concerning her child? If I'm blessed with a child, Lord, I will dedicate this child to you all the days of his life. Now she literally meant that. It's a child. Samuel became a prophet. It's like me when you saw me bring Matthew here. I, I just see it on him. Every time I see him, every time he comes near me, God, the Spirit of God reckons me and says, you got to spend time with this, this one. He is going to be a strong, mighty man of God. Every now and then, uh, they'll send me, or they send Pat. They don't really send me because they know I don't look at my phone that much. And they'll send Pat little, and, and, and there was no male in Timothy's life. And, and, and God began to speak to Paul, you need to be that male. You need to be that father figure for him. 
And see, and I love homes where there is a father and there is a mother, but I'm saying to that father, to that mother, you've got to train them in the ways of God. You can't do it by yourself. That's why I say you need vital relationships. That's why I say you need a church. A child will never know church unless you know church. If you don't ever do church, trust me, your child is not going to do church. Not until they come across somebody that impacts and influences their lives to the fact that they understand Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But they really should get that in the home. Their passion to be baptized ought to come from in-home teaching. Their passion to get filled with the Holy Ghost should come from in-home teaching. Their understanding that if they feel a little pain in their body, that they can lay hands on themselves and be healed speaking the word of God. That they can literally speak to themselves, as the Bible says in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But that comes with mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, great-grandma, all of God's people. And every now and then we come and we have these ceremonies and people come and stand. We even have people that stand and say, I am the God-parent. That's a real intense word there, that you are the God-parent. Do you understand what you're saying? Now you're going to take a parental role in that child's life, if necessary, to help them to see God. It's not so that you can buy them the latest pair of Nikes. It's not so that you can buy them the little fresh outfit. That when their birthdays are celebrated, you have the best and the biggest gift. The best and the biggest gift is Jesus. Always has been, always will be. That's what it means to be God's parent. Don't take that lightly. Say, is that biblical? No, you won't find the word God-parent in the Bible. But I understand the, practice, the, the principle, as you might say, behind it. I want you to as well. There's a family here that has asked that their child be dedicated today. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful thing when people recognize that this is a biblical thing to do. And I think it should be done. I often, every time I have a, a, a child dedication, I think about having been in Montgomery, Alabama. And I'll say it like they say it, Montgomery. <laughs> military during that, that time. Was ordained at that time. But I was still wearing a military uniform. I had to go to, for some military training at a base called Gunther Air Force Base next year to another base called Maxwell Air Force Base. And I was there for training. And I thought, you know, I need to go to church somewhere. I'm down there for eight weeks. And so I found a church. Matter of fact, my wife had been to that training. My wife and I both served in the military. And she had been to some training prior to me. And so she said, there's a church just right outside of the gates of the base. Go there. And I remember going there. And I'm like most typical people when you come to a church for the first time. I didn't want to try to assimilate in too much. So I sat near the back. I took Miss Icy's seat there. And I was sitting near the back. And sure enough, here comes the preacher. The preacher. Now, Pat didn't even mention anything about the church. The church, and I'll just kind of try to help you to get a description of what was happening here. 
the church is almost predominantly white. The pastor is white. How many of you know that shouldn't make a difference? How many of you have a problem drinking white milk that comes from a brown cow? <laughs> that eats green grass. You should have no problem with where the vessel that God's used. This is what rainbow is about. You should never have a vessel. You know, uh, Sister Terry, Reverend Bell, was talking to you in an announcement. She's talking about a man of God that's coming here in the middle of March. His name is Talat Muhammad. Now, most people kind of think, when, even when they see him, they think he's from the, the, the Middle East. He, he grew up in Guyana. His background, his parents' background is Indian. And so he has those features, but oftentimes when he goes and he'll put on certain attire, I says, you know, you look like you could be from any part of the other country. But he just knows God. I love him. You're going to love him, too. He's just wonderful. Ursula has spoiled him with some type of soup that they do that I won't do. <laughs> Cow hoof. Uh, but anyway, you should have no problem with the vessel that God wants to use. That's part of the problem in the body of Christ. That's part of, part of the problem with the church as a whole. We tend to say black church, white church, Asian church. How is heaven going to be? How is heaven going to be? Do you think that they have all those dis distinctions in heaven? Think of the word denomination. I think of it in mathematical terms. If I'm going to find the least common denominator, what does that mean that I'm going to have to start doing? My wife is a math scholar there. That means division. And sometimes, folks, unintentionally, we have divided ourselves. It's not the will of God. The will of God, it says, oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in what? Unity. One of the things in Dedicating your child is to help them to become, as it were, colorblind and God conscious. So I'm going to ask the family to come and the child that is being dedicated today. Come. Her name is Cree. She was very busy early on. She introduced herself already. <laughs> and we all thought, how beautiful. And it is beautiful when that child is being brought to the Lord. And I want you to come and I want you to just stand right in front of the podium. I'm going to stay in place for a moment and then I'll come with mask and um, just anoint and lay my hands upon her. But you come and you stand right in the center, Mommy. Okay, all of those who've come with her to dedicate this child, I want you to come and stand right beside them. Doreen, I'm going to ask you to be the spokesperson today. Okay, and you'll just introduce us to there. We all know Doreen. Doreen has been a member of this church for a number of years, and we are so thankful and uh, grateful that she is. And so she's just going to help us to understand who all the, of her family that she's brought here and to help us to get to know Miss Cree. Help her with the mic. Turn it on, please. Okay, uh, ministers, if you'll just check on the mic for me. Okay. Hello. All right. Hello. <laughs> Introduce okay. us. Okay, I'm starting from here. This is my granddaughter. This is 
higher up. This is my granddaughter, Jasmine. This is my niece, Dorothy. And my daughter, Stephanie, which is the grandmother <laughs> of Miss Cree. And this is her son, too, Jabari, my grandson. And this is Nikita, my granddaughter, the mother of Cree. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Cree, uh, next grandmother, Nikki. And this is her godfather. And this is my nephew. And this is my good friend, Scott. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. I put you on the spot, huh, there? That's okay. <laughs> Praise God. Beautiful, beautiful family. Give them a hand clap again. Hallelujah. Absolutely beautiful. Now, in part, I've shared with you the, the significance of baby dedication. And I know I'm going to be turning my back to the camera. I apologize to the viewing audience. But I just need to face-to-face -face speak to the family and to mom. Um, thank you for making the decision to dedicate us to the Lord. There's something that you've heard about this. And it's not just a cute uh, thing that you do. It's a very serious thing that we're doing here today. Because you're standing before God and you're saying to God, God, I want my daughter to know you. And I want her to know you all the days of her life. You're following a pattern of Jesus Christ because Jesus' mom, Mary, his earthly dad, Joseph, took him to the temple and Jesus was dedicated. This is why we find a lot of things that happened on that day. On that day, there was a man who had been praying. He said, I just want him to see the Messiah before I die. And in comes Jesus and he recognizes that's the son of God. There's a lady whose name is Anna. She had been praying as well. She was devoutly and, and very determined and she likewise had been just on her face believing for the dedication for that day when Jesus was dedicated so you're following a pattern that Jesus did of course I mentioned the Old Testament Hannah Hannah is a woman who uh, gave birth to a son whose name was Samuel who she would literally bring to the temple now my wife will probably tell you this is okay because she brought uh, little Samuel and she left him with the priest you're not planning on leaving Cree with us, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Just like I was talking about that little boy, Cree should know us. She should get to know me. She should be like all them little girls that come and sit there with Miss Pat, uninvited, and they just show up. And she loves it. I do too. When we got married... 19, you weren't even born this year. 1981? <laughs> <laughs> At our wedding, the first one, two, three rows in the church were nothing but children. Matter of fact, they said to Miss Pat, we're not sure all them little girls going let to let, let you marry him. But we spent our time. And I, 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 we love it. Now, even if you're not in this church, be in a church where the child gets to know God and gets to know the pastor. I had to laugh. The other day we were at a meal with a family and the little girl, she said, are you Jesus? I said, oh, no, baby, <laughs> I'm not Jesus. <laughs> it's a little granddaughter. But they ought to see the Jesus. They ought to see the Jesus in you at home. They ought to see the Jesus in the church. Everybody in the church ought to know Cree. I think they do after today. 
because she's, she's lively, full of life. And she looks like she's going to be that type of person that is never going to have a problem making a friend. And that's how Jesus is. He's a friend to all. And that's what the world needs. They need people who are friendly. There's enough people out there breaking bad. We need some people that are just going to break the bread of life. But like I said, she will never know Jesus until she sees it in you. She'll never know church until she sees it as important to you. Make it important to you. Because during this pandemic time, absolutely. I heard that you were God's father. All right. Now, we're not talking about that movie Godfather. <laughs> we're talking about somebody who also knows God. And at any moment in time that she's in your presence, you are teaching her the principles of God. You know them, so you share them with her. She shouldn't learn about things of the world more than she learns about the things of the word. What you hear, do you know you, you, you know what your children are supposed to by the kind of, you know, I was hearing a lady was talking about her sister, her little boy, he came home, and it was just F this and F this all day long. She's like, what in the world? But it's what she was exposing. And, and, and the sad part about it, she's a news anchor. I won't call her name, but she would say, well, it's okay. I just have to teach him when to use it. I would say never. And as a good Christian parent, it's never. You teach them that there are certain things that are evil and to stay away from evil. And you teach them that there are things that are truly good and God. Ms. Pat, if you don't mind joining me, uh, Elder, where are you? Thank you. What I'm going to do is just anoint her head with oil. I'm putting my finger in this oil. I'm just going to make the, the figure of a cross on her head and yours. Amen. Hi, Cree. How are you? You, you? You've been talking to me all morning. I just want to make this cross on your head. Oh, mommy. And Father, I thank you for Cree. I thank you, Father, that the kingdom of God <laughs> has come and the will of God is being done in her life. I thank you that she grows up in the admonition and the nurture of the word. And I thank you that, yeah, she'll just be hanging out with Miss Pat, hanging out with me. <laughs> and I thank you that we'll be hanging out with the things of God. Now, Father, I do pray, and I pray over every child that we dedicate, that their mom and father and grandparents will never have to go to jail to get them out of the jail. They'll never have to go to a crack house to try to pull them out of drug addiction. They'll never have to find their child laying in their own vomit in the middle of a street because they don't have cognizance of their being. They'll find them in the house of the Lord. Like Mary and Joseph, when they were looking for Jesus and they thought he was lost, they went to the house of the Lord and they found him sitting and talking with others about the things of God. And so it will be with Cree. She will know God and she will also help to make God known. She will learn what it means to worship, what it means to praise, and what it means to give gratitude and thanksgiving to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And may she be blessed, blessed with good health. May there never be a day, Father God, where she's struggling with health issues. May she always find herself in good health. 
prospering. The Lord says he desires that she prosper and be in good health even as a soul is prospering. And Father, I pray for all of these who are here standing with her that they likewise will stand with her to help train her in the ways of God and that we will see your kingdom come and your will being done in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people shout it. Amen. Amen. We have a certificate to give you uh, in relationship to this day. We hope you'll hold to it, frame it accordingly, and help remind her that on this day, on February 20th in 2022, that she was dedicated to the Lord. I believe that the photographer will be there to kind of get a photograph. I'm going to jump up here behind you. Amen. I'll just look like I'm taller. You coming to me? And that's what we're going to do? No, you hanging out with Miss Pat. You like the bees. All right, look at the camera. That's all right. preach my message because you know as soon as her mother pointed her finger that's exactly what she did children do imitate everything that you do and I pray that they would be imitators of Christ amen everyone stand to your feet we're going to give the benediction at this time hallelujah hallelujah why don't you lift your hands toward heaven back in the day they used to say lift your right hand and I, I, I think I understand it now because uh, even if you go in a court uh, a court They'll ask you to raise your right hand. They'll ask you to, uh, and we understand lifting. The Bible says lift, lift your hands without wrath, lift, lift the other hand without doubting. And as we come, Father, we lift our hands without wrath, without doubting. We also recognize symbolically this is a sign of surrender. And we are surrendering to you, God. Now, we've been blessed when we came in this morning, Father, and your word assures us that we shall be blessed going out. I thank you that you will surround us with your favor now like a shield. I thank you that you will help us to be courageous enough to share the gospel with someone else. That what we know, we may not know at all, but we know enough to share with somebody about the goodness of the Lord. And I pray that we will. I pray that we won't be so bashful, so timid, that we wouldn't open our mouths and say, God's been good to me. God has truly blessed me. Now some of you may not even know God. That may not have been a decision that you've made. That may not be something that you even knew that you needed to do. I would encourage you. It's simple. All you have to do is say, I, I really believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I want him to be the Lord of my life. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Now, doesn't mean that you know everything after you make that, but it does mean that you're a child of God. It does mean that you're a child of God. Now, as children of God, you purpose to grow now. How many of you know just by going into the first grade doesn't make you an educated student? But it makes you a person that's taking the right steps to become an educated person. But you have to keep going to school. You have to keep adhering and practicing the things that you're instructed in to become proficient in. And that's all we're encouraging you. Accept Jesus Christ today.
and then link up and start growing. So, Father, I thank you. I pray a blessing upon your people. I pray a hedge of protection upon your people. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over each and every one of them. Father, I thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing. And I thank you, Father, that the best is yet to come in their lives. But they will see the goodness of the Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, amen. Go, be good soldiers of the Lord. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.